test, 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 test. Looks like it's working. That's what she said. I'm gonna pop this open real quick. Oh yeah. Please tell me you're recording. I am. Okay, good, because that was beautiful. Let's tell the story about how it snowed the other day. Oh my goodness. So much <laughs> snow in such a little time. Yep. Yep. I think we got like six or seven inches in within like six hours, eight hours, however long it was. I don't think it was that much. It's probably like four or five. I'm pretty, uh, maybe. I don't know. It looked pretty deep. Yeah. I was going based off of what fell onto the um, on our back porch, you know, the railing. On our oh, porch. yeah. That was through a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Early November and we already have snow. Okay, I have some questions for you. Oh, jeez. Okay. Okay, why is Peter Pan flying all the time? Because he never lands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, what does Daisy Duck say when she buys lipstick? Quack. Put it on my bill. <laughs> <laughs> Where does Captain Hook go to get his hook replaced? Where? The second hand store. all right so disney huh yeah i was say any guesses for what we're talking about today (laughs) my guess is disney we're talking about the one and only walter elias disney so miles what do you know about walt disney um i get this laptop open uh does he have anything to do with disney um no relation actually (laughs) no i'm just kidding so he's the uh, creator of Disney. This is true. He is old. <laughs> I mean, uh, he's dead now. But <laughs> <laughs> he is. He was born a long time ago is what I meant. Yes. They put his body on ice in case anyone found a cure for death. Oh, I did not know that actually. He's one of the few people that uh, put on ice for it. <laughs> is that why they have Disney on ice? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll just go ahead and get into it then. So, this is the story of Walter Elias Disney, who was born on December 5th, 1901. Yeah, that's Alira's birthday. Yeah. Cool. It's uh, our niece, Alira. So, the reason I chose this topic to talk about was actually a suggestion, a suggested story from one of our listeners. Nice. And uh, Thanks, the, reason, <laughs> the reason that they suggested it is because this January is the... 100 year anniversary of the walt disney studios Ooh, nice yeah. so so he was born on december 5th 1901 his parents were elias and flora he had four siblings three of them were his older brothers herbert raymond and roy nice. and then he had a younger sister named ruth so walter was born in chicago illinois but when he was four his family moved to missouri to a town called marceline which is where he Spent most of his childhood and where he first found his interest in art. Marceline, Missouri. Mm-hmm. So. Never heard um, of it. Well, now you have. <laughs> <laughs> so um, when he was a young boy, so in Marceline, they lived on a farm. It was like a family farm. That's where he like found his interest in drawing and coloring and like watercolors and everything. And he was even paid by a neighbor to draw a picture of their horse. Wow. So yeah, so he got really into that and would sell his pieces to neighbors and family members like a little entrepreneur. And then he would even uh, practice 
drawing the comic strips in the family newspaper that they would get each week. Oh, cool. Yeah, so. That's one way to do it. Yeah. So in 1911, when he was 10, they moved to Kansas City, which is where he developed his love for trains. His uncle, Mike Martin, was a train engineer who worked the route between Fort Madison, Iowa, and Marceline. Later, Disney would work a summer job with the railroad, selling snacks and newspapers to travelers. And that was something I never knew about Disney, was that he really liked trains, but it's just kind of cool. Trains are interesting. Trains are interesting. I mean, in that new Disney intro thing, they have the train in the background. and Oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't that makes sense. That. And they have a lot of Disney-themed trains and stuff. Yeah. I guess yeah. it makes a that lot makes of sense. sense. I just, that was something I never, never knew really about him, or at least never uh, thought about. Cool. Trains. So, yeah, trains. I like trains. That's really the only mention of it. Just kind of fun fun thing okay so uh kansas city is also where walter met his friend walter pfeiffer uh pfeiffer's family had a huge love for the theater and that's where they introduced disney to the world of motion picture was his friend walter pfeiffer and walter and walter yeah they became such good friends that for a while he would spend like every waking moment at their house um you know those kind of friends okay i gotcha around this time so this was uh you know, Walter was going into his teen years and everything. Um, and his dad purchased a couple newspaper routes with like the Kansas City Times and things like that. Um, and so Walter and his brother Roy would deliver papers every morning starting at 4.30 and then deliver the second set of papers in the evening after school. Nice. And they did that for about six years. Wow. And so this was, uh, this went into while Walter was in high school. During high school, he joined the school paper um, and he became the designated cartoonist. Ooh. And would draw cartoons about the war that was going on. It was World War One. Mm. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the weekends, he would attend the local community college, and he took car- cartooning classes. So he was really like dedicated to this at a at a very young age. Yeah, in high school, I I think, if I'm not mistaken, our teacher actually showed us during um, like the World War One segment, images that looked like Disney. And she's like, "Any guesses who this is?" And yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure that happened. Yeah. Unless I'm making it up, but no, no, I'm pretty sure it happened. Yeah, no, he, uh, a lot of his stuff actually got published, and I'll, I'll, tell, I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, okay, so, unfortunately, though, Disney ended up dropping out of school because the paper route really, like, hindered his sleep schedule, mm. and he would fall asleep in classes a lot, and oh. during this time, like, you know, school wasn't as big of a deal as it is today, so he just ended up dropping out, and he actually, at the age of 16, he tried to join the U.S. Army, but he was rejected for being so young, so... <laughs> So what he did is he actually forged his birth certificate and then joined the Red Cross instead. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Then he spent a few months working as the Red Cross until they shipped him over to France, where he uh, drove an ambulance for a year. And there, while he was driving the ambulance just for some decoration and, you know, when things were slow, he would doodle uh, cartoons on the side of the ambulance. That's fun. And those were what got published. And those were published in the uh, U.S. Army newspaper, The Stars and Stripes. Cool. And he was 17 or 18 at the time. Starting young. Yeah. <laughs> what were you doing when you were 17? Um, not <laughs> I'm just bad. kidding. <laughs> After his year in France, he returned to Kansas City in October of 1919. Um, his brother Roy helped him get a job at the Pesman Rubin Commercial Art Studio as an apprentice. And he there would draw illustrations for advertising, theater programs, and catalogs. That's where he met fellow artist Ub Iwerks. So in January 1920, 
the newspaper started to decline that he and Ub worked at. And so Disney was laid off. And then um, Disney and Ub actually tried to create their own company as like freelance commercial artists. Uh, but unfortunately, that didn't really make it off of the ground. So they both began to work at the Kansas City ad company. Okay. So Disney became interested in animation. Uh, he still preferred like drawn cartoons. Uh, he drew cartoons such as Mutt and Jeff and Coco the Clown. And in his free time, though, he uh, borrowed a camera and would practice animation at his home. Nice. So not like while he was working, just kind of playing around with it. Mm-hmm. Later in 1920, he decided to... Uh, own his own animation studio so um from the ad company he recruited fred Harmon as his first employee employee and disney and Harmon made a deal with the local kansas city theater to screen their cartoons which they called laughograms <laughs> okay cute huh that was cute the cartoons were hugely popular and disney was able to acquire his own studio which he bestowed the same name laughograms They did a series of seven-minute fairy tales that combined both live-action animation, which they called... Oh, sorry. Tales that combined both live-action and animation, uh, which they called Alice in Cartoonland. Oh, like Alice in Wonderland. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's that's where that got its its start. You know, it's kind of fun to think about because like back then, they didn't have all the technology and everything that we have today Mm -hmm. to do animations and stuff like that. So a lot of the time, they had to draw frame by frame. Yeah everything so it just gives you a whole different pre- appreciation of as to how that actually started out yeah well and the articles that i read talk a lot about the types of animation that they used and they were just really starting to get into the kind where like they do frame by frame using a computer uh-huh. and apparently that was really expensive to do I and so it. the cheaper way but also like the more taxing way was to draw it frame by frame gotcha and so um walt disney really enjoyed that type of uh, animation work because you know he got to do it literally hands-on yeah um but it just wasn't very good in like long-term production because it would take so long to do uh in 1923 laughograms declared bankruptcy oh yeah sad day but 1923 was how many years ago almost 100 so the 100 year anniversary of disney is coming up Ooh. so a little uh, foreshadowing <laughs> Disney. Uh, so Walter moved to Hollywood in July 1923 at 21 years old to be with his brother Roy. He hoped to become a live action film director. Walter and Roy started the Disney Brothers studio to produce their films. Then he convinced Ub to relocate from Kansas City to Hollywood. So was his brother Roy an actor or something? No, or... Roy was just kind of similarly into animation and things like gotcha. that. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah okay cool yeah roy actually like he's a big part of the company even though like disney was really the founder roy helped him build it from the ground up nice so good job roy yeah and actually uh per unsung heroes (laughs) right right per roy's request they actually changed the name of the company to walt disney studios Mm. so so he was kind of like you take all the credit almost but pretty much yeah well and i've heard uh like controversy about how much work um Ub did and everybody's like Ub should have gotten the credit and it's like it's not like he didn't they just named it Walt Disney Studios you know and so of course the person with the name is going to get the initial credit but Walt never claimed to be the only person to do this he was very much like part of a group thing and he knew that yeah I mean you're not gonna call the company Ub 
uh, I, I, iWorks? It works. iWorks, yeah. <laughs> Ub iWorks. We're not going to call it Ub iWorks. That's not a, it's hard to pronounce. Like, yeah. I'm even struggling. Walt Disney just rolls off the tongue easier. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. So, uh, let's see. So that happened in 2020 or 1923. So that's why in 2023, I'm confusing myself, is the 100 year anniversary. <laughs> You're doing great, sweetie. Uh, so later that year, 1923, uh, Walt Disney sold the rights um, of his animation, Alice in Cartoon Land, to Margaret J. Winkler. In October, they signed a contract with her for six Alice comedies with an option for two further series of six episodes each. So kind of cool that they have someone. So Margaret was already like a film producer, so they kind of are getting their big start you know Mm -hmm. um they had already been doing work obviously but now they've signed a contract with someone who's like okay let's make this happen and make it more of a long-term thing so that was pretty fun and here we are 100 years later yeah i mean there was still a lot of ups and downs between so we'll talk about that um and actually oh a little side note in 1925 disney hired an ink and paint artist named lillian bounds Lillian and Walter began dating and were married just a few short months later. Yeah, they were married in Idaho. Fun fact. Oh, what's that? I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, So Disney and Lillian had two children. They had Diane Disney Miller, who was born in 1933. Uh, She was the only biological child of them. They also adopted their daughter, Sharon Disney Lund, shortly after her birth in 1936. Nice. So they only had two kids? Mm -hmm. Okay. They do have several grandchildren and great-grandchildren, but I didn't get into those details because we're here to talk about Walt. Yeah. So, in 1926, Winkler's role in the distribution of Alice, of the Alice series, had been handed over to her husband, the film producer Charles Mintz. Uh, The relationship between Mintz and Walt Disney was sometimes kind of strained. There was a little bit of like a... um, power struggle going mm-hmm. on because basically disney wanted to expand and grow different types of animation whereas mints wanted new material to be distri- distributed distributed using the animation that they already had okay. and so walter wanted more of that creative freedom whereas mints was really trying to just like capitalize um sure and probably save money too at the same time yeah so actually it got to a point where uh mince wanted more material and so disney and uh ub they created oswald the lucky rabbit a disney character that they wanted to be peppy alert saucy and venturesome um keeping him also neat and trim that was the description that walt had given him cool uh but in february of 1928 disney wanted like more pay for the oswald series because it was pretty popular Whereas Mintz wanted to, like, actually decrease his pay. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, like I said, power struggle a little bit. Mintz almost sounds like Mitz. Yeah, it does a little bit, right? How do you spell it? Is it M-I-N-T-S? T-Z. T-Z, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Sounds German. E- it might be, actually. I'm just kidding. I, I have no clue. We have trouble pronouncing German names as it is. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mintz threatened to start his own studio and produce the series himself if Disney refused to... Uh, accept the reductions of pay, whereas Disney declined the ultimatum and lost most of his animation staff Dang. due to that. The only person that stayed with him was Ub. Oh, good job, Ub. Yeah. So to replace the Oswald series, <clears throat> uh, Walt and Ub developed Mickey Mouse, inspired by a pet mouse that was that Disney adopted while working in his Laughagram studio. 
Disney originally chose the name Mortimer Mouse for him, but Lily and his wife thought it was too pompous. Fair. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, and Mickey su- sounds good. Yeah, and suggested Mickey instead. So, <clears throat> Ub revised Disney's provisional sketch to make the character easier to animate. Um, and so this is kind of where the controversy comes in is Ub technically is the one that created Mickey. Mm-hmm. The, the Mickey that we see and love today. It was Disney's idea, but the animation was, was really up. put together by Ub. Walt, he actually began to distance himself from the animation process during this time, but he voiced Mickey Mouse until 1947, oh, which cool. that I never knew. So, so you did the high-pitched... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that was Walt Disney. Um, in the words of one Disney employee, Ub designed Mickey's physical appearance, but Walt gave him his soul. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. I, I can understand the controversy of it, but I also feel like they both had equal... For sure. You know, contribution. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, whose hand held the pen type of thing. I so. mean, that happens tons today as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about it, people, like architects, I guess, of specific things are different from the actual, like, construction of... I mean, you know, buildings, for example, like yeah. architects, they don't really have much to do as far as the contracting stuff goes but you know yeah i, I don't know that well, for sure but how often do freelancers do all of the work right that's true yeah you know so it's like i could draw a stick figure and be like this is like the idea of what i want you turn it into a masterpiece and someone else will draw it for me yes but then i get the credit because mm-hmm. i outsourced there's like a difference between like um artistic creativity and um engineering creativity that kind yeah. of stuff well and i think the two of them at this point they were partners you know yeah they had been working together for so long i don't think it was a matter of who stole whose work i think it was really like this was for walt disney productions mm-hmm. uh, for their studio and i don't think i've ever really had a bad feeling about it I don't oh know. for sure <laughs> but yeah in the media today if you were to google it you could find a little bit of fun opinions because everybody likes to cancel each other so true yeah all right, so moving on. Mickey Mouse first appeared in May 20, 1928 as a single test screening, but it failed to find a distributor. Following uh, the 1927 sensation The Jazz Singer, Disney used synchronized sound on another short called Steamboat Willie to create the first post-produced sound cartoon. Is that where the whistling Mickey is? Right there? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Okay. Yep. So that that image that we all see that's at the beginning of movies and stuff like that, that is the original. That's the very first appearance of Mickey Mouse. Nice. Mm-hmm. No wonder it's such a staple. Yeah. After the animation was complete, Disney signed a contract with the former executive of Universal Pictures, Pat Powers, who became the new distributor for Disney's early sound cartoons, which soon became very popular. Uh, to improve the quality of the sound, Disney hired a professional composer and arranger, Carl Stalling. So those names are important for just a moment. Stalling suggested the series Silly Symphony to be developed, which provided stories through the use of music. At this time, he also hired several local artists, some of whom stayed with the company as core animators later on. Cool. And this group of animators, they actually became known as the nine old men (laughs) so that's kind of fun 
and both Mickey Mouse and Silly Symphony series were successful, but Disney and his brother Roy felt that they were not receiving their rightful share of the profits from Powers. In 1930, Disney tried to trim costs from the process by urging um, Ub to abandon the practice of animating every separate cell in favor of the more efficient technique of drawing key poses and then letting lower paid assistants sketch the in-between poses. Mm. So does that make sense? Yeah. He was using a lot of like the uh, like animation techniques where you design each individual. Mm -hmm. What's the word I'm looking for? Frame. Yep. But I guess, you know, they could outsource like we talked about. It's like, here's the main poses. You get us in between there, which is like, how fun of a job would that be? Also a little stressful because you have to make it like perfect. But Yeah. I don't know. I think about it. I'm like, I don't know if I'd be into that because I'm not artistically inclined to begin with. It would be very tedious. Yeah. It would be fun, though, to do that for Walt Disney. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Walt Disney asked Powers for an increase in payments for the cartoons. Powers refused um, and signed up to work for him. And then Stalling, the uh, composer person, mm-hmm. um, he resigned shortly after, thinking that if Ub wasn't going to be involved, that Disney Studios would close because oh, gotcha. he was such a big role. Mm-hmm. During this time, Walter pretty much had like a nervous breakdown, <laughs> um, which he blamed on Powers basically for like taking too much control over his life. <laughs> Uh, so he and Lillian, his wife, took an extended holiday to Cuba. Oh, nice. And to Panama. Oh. The end. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cool. So I mean, yeah, I'd like to do that when I'm stressed out too. Let's go to Cuba. And Panama. Yeah. Basically, at this point, Walt Disney was on his own because he was no longer using Powers as a distributor. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Disney Studios signed a contract with Columbia Pictures to distribute distribute the Mickey Mouse cartoons. It became more popular, uh, and then eventually it went international. Nice. Disney and his crew uh, started to introduce cartoons, cartoon stars like Pluto in 1930, Goofy in 1932, Donald Duck in 1934. All subsequent Silly Symphony cartoons were in color. Um, he had a film called Flowers and Trees that was popular with audiences and won the inaugural Academy Award for Best Short Subject Cartoon at the 1932 ceremony. Is that the one where the flowers and trees have faces and they dance a lot? Okay. Yes, it is. Those kind of creep me out. <laughs> well, it won an award. <laughs> for so, most creepy animation? Well, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so Disney had been nominated for other another film category. Um, oh, sorry. He had been nominated for another film in that category, Mickey's Orphans, and received an honorary award for the creation of Mickey Mouse. Cool. Yeah. Even so. though Ub kind of create. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Even though he didn't actually do it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, okay. So in 1933, uh, Walt Disney produced The Three Little Pigs, um, which became the most successful short animation of all time. As described by a media historian named Adrian Danks. The film won Disney another Academy Award in the short subject cartoon category. The film's success led to a further further increase in the studio's staff, which numbered nearly 200 by the end of the year. Nice. So at this time, Disney realized the importance of using a lot of emotion. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) 
<laughs> Am Sorry. I that boring? No. Oh. <laughs> I just I just want to put my mouth on it. <laughs> Sorry, continue. But yeah, so he um, recognized the importance of like emotionally gripping stories and like what the audience really wanted to see. Yeah. Uh, and so he invested in a storytelling department that was separate from animators. Uh, so like one would create the storyboard and the actual story where then the other people would put it together, gotcha. which is usually what you see now in like these big animation studios mm-hmm. is they have separate teams for that because they want one to focus solely on like what is going to bring out the heart of the story. And then the other one is going to bring it to life. Right. So uh, that's kind of cool. cool. <clears throat> yeah. I'm very much, if, if this would me, I'm very much the, like the, I don't want to say mastermind cause I don't consider myself a mastermind, but like, the ideas man yeah the creative ideas man. yeah because i i mean you you know my dreams my dreams are whack and yeah, a lot are. of and a lot of my imagination stuff comes from my dreams or vice versa Does that make sense yeah not really no i got you i got you i get you <laughs> yeah so i would, I would very i because i love coming up with stories and stuff like that that's yeah like well, if, if i could if i had the patience and time i'd want to be an author because and if it was still a thriving um what's the word business practice yeah then i'd probably consider it more but i don't have the patience for it anyway (laughs) yeah well he created that department oh let's see so 1934 disney became dissatisfied with producing uh cartoon shorts he believed a feature length cartoon would be more profitable Uh, so the studio at the time began the four-year production of take a guess first feature-length cartoon movie from Walt Disney. Once I say it, you're going to be like, oh my gosh. Is it Mickey Mouse? Well, no. (laughs) What is it? Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Oh, cool. Based on the fairy tale. That was the first one, really? Uh Uh-huh. Oh. The first uh, movie. Mm -hmm. Cool. When the news leaked that they were going to be starting this project, people really just made fun of him and said, this is going to make you bankrupt. They even started calling him... uh, they started calling it Disney's Folly because mm-hmm. they figured it would be like the fall of Disney. However, four years later, in 1937, Snow White premiered and earned high praise from critics and audiences. And the film became the most successful motion picture of 1938. Uh, and by May of 1939, its total gross was $6.5 million. Dang. And it made it the most successful sound film to date. Wow. Yeah. He oh he won the honorary academy academy award for it, and the success of Snow White heralded one of the most productive eras for the studio. The Walt Disney Family Family Museum calls the following years quote the golden age of animation. So big high for Disney, big up middle finger <laughs> to all those people <laughs> that were like. This is going to be your folly. $6.5 million. Yeah. Is that then money or now money? Then. Okay. I didn't look up the, the translation okay. for today, but yeah. It'd be a lot. At the time, it was the most successful. So. Cool. This part gets a little depressing because I think he wrote on this high and got a little cocky. As you do. In 1939, they set up a new campus for Walt Disney Animation Studios in Burbank. In 1949, or 41... There was a setback for the company that occurred when the animators went on strike. Oh, no. Uh, Many of the animators resigned, and it took several years for the company to fully recover from it. 
in also in 1941 they released dumbo and then the u.s entered world war ii so dumbo was the second full feature cartoon film no it wasn't i have a list of them the next ones were actually pinocchio and fantasia which i'll talk about in just a second fantasia was going to be my second guess for the first one like i'm pretty sure that's more recent but yeah no that one was a few years later so uh snow white premiered in 1937 uh Pinocchio and Fantasia both came out in 1940. Okay. So, but we're going to talk about the war for a second. So, in 41 is when the war happened, um, right after Dumbo was released. And so, Disney actually formed the Walt Disney Training Films Unit uh, within the company to produce instruction films for the military. So, he produced films called For Methods of Flush Riveting and Aircraft Production Methods, so he met with the secretary of the treasury and he actually produced shorts with donald duck uh to promote war bonds okay i never knew about that i thought that was actually hilarious (laughs) he also produced several propaganda productions including shorts such as uh i don't know why i wrote this down because i don't know how to pronounce it der fjarrer's face whatever mm-hmm. uh which also won an academy award and then the 1943 feature film victory through air power and i i never uh knew that he was so involved in making productions for war but it makes sense of the times you know he's trying to just be helpful mm-hmm. so and like he was successful so i mean like why not yeah um by the way before you continue i looked up six point five million dollars uh-huh. in 1938 uh-huh. and it is equivalent to 125 million eight hundred forty eight thousand one hundred twenty five dollars imagine having that in your pocket <laughs> that's awesome and you only have like what 200 employees uh sure i don't know <laughs> you have the notes not me but yeah he was um they, they did it a lot back in the day because again going back to my high school u.s history class and everything because i know so much about u.s history Uh not actually um but they did a lot of propaganda and advertisement with cartoons because that's what the people appealed to like it was different and yeah yeah because i remember one of these other ones that my teacher showed us was like the oscar minor wiener oscar um, meyer what did i say minor oh yeah oscar meyer wiener (laughs) uh those commercials yeah and everything and those were all cut cartoonized animated yeah but yeah they did that a lot back then just to for just more appeal i guess yeah true good point so um do 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 he did all those military films those generated only enough revenue to cover the costs of making them Mm -hmm. um and this is what i mean by he got a little cocky because he uh produced the feature film bambi which underperformed on its release and then he actually lost $200,000 at the box office. From Dang. It. So, um... That's rough. Yeah. That's a lot of money to lose. Mm-hmm. And top of that, he had low earnings from Pinocchio and Fantasia. Uh, and the company had debts of $4 million. Oof. Yeah. He actually had a meeting with the Bank of America, who he was banking with, uh, to discuss the future of the company. And the bank's chairman at the time and founder, he told his executives, quote, I have been watching the Disney's 
pictures quite closely because I knew you were lending them money far above the financial risk. They're good this year, they're good next year, and they're good the year after. You have to relax and give them the time to market their product. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. The chairman and founder was rooting for him. Yeah, because usually it's the opposite, especially nowadays. It's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of the chairman, it sounds like they didn't really want to keep lending to him, but the mm-hmm. the founder was like, no, 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 it's all good. It'll be fine. Um, so Disney produced more than 100 feature films. His first full-length animation film was Snow White, like we said. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, okay, sorry. Uh, the last major success that he produced himself was the motion pictures Mary Poppins, which came out in 1964. With Julia Andrews? hmm Nice. And it was a mix of live action and animation. Cool. A few of Disney's most famous movies included Pinocchio, Fantasia, Dumbo, Bambi, Cinderella, Treasure Island, Alice in Wonderland, Peter Pan, Lady and the Tramp, Sleeping Beauty and 101 Dalmatians. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so then a lot of the other movies that we see from past 1964, uh, he was not alive when those mm. were produced. Gotcha. All right. Um, welcome back, everyone. I know that for everyone listening we were only gone a few seconds but for us it has been eight hours <laughs> yeah <laughs> accurate um harper decided to wake up early from her nap thanks, to our, dogs. thanks to our dogs they were howling outside and made a lot of noise on top of that i think she had a bad dream because she was crying crying for a little bit afterwards as well or maybe her tummy was upset i don't know either one yeah um, but yeah she uh didn't want to go back to sleep so we just decided to postpone our recording until now yeah so it's been several hours um but we should be good do you need a recap no i'm good okay cool so i'm just gonna go ahead and pick up where we left off um we don't have a ton left so it's just gonna be a little quick ending yes okay so all right so walt disney he was one of the first people to use television as an entertainment medium which is pretty cool so uh he had a couple extremely popular children's shows such as zorro and davy crockett Mm -hmm. i didn't know that zorro was a tv show um we should watch it the movie yeah let's do it and davy crockett okay i'm just kidding Oh. So that would be interesting, but I would never really got into David Crockett. Fair, fair. Um, and then there was also the Mickey Mouse Club, which um, that and like a variety of other shows that had teenagers cast uh, that were known as the Mouseketeers. Mouseketeers. So. Mm-hmm. That's fun. We just watched the Three Musketeers today with Harper. The Three Mouseketeers? Well, it was Musketeers. It's the Disney with, um, like, it, it's spelled musketeers musketeers oh but. yeah yeah so it's like the donald goofy and yeah that one and Mickey. the animated one mm-hmm. gotcha yeah, it was interesting one. okay um so walt disney's wonderful world of color was a popular sunday night show which disney used to begin promoting his new theme park smart uh, uh, advertise uh, it yeah. 
So for several years, Disney had been considering building a theme park, um, and that first came to his mind when he visited the Griffith Park in Los Angeles with his daughters. His dream uh, was that he wanted it to be a clean, unspoiled park where both children and their parents could have fun. Nice. Yeah, sounds like a good time, right? Yeah. We should go. Okay. Um, In March of 1952, he received zoning permission to build a theme park in Burbank, near the Disney Studios. However, uh, he thought that the site was too small for, like, what he wanted. And so he bought a larger plot in Anaheim that was 35 miles away from the studio. And then he also formed the W.E.D. Enterprises, which is now the Walt Disney Imagineering. Um, And he used his own money to fund a group of designers and animators to work on the plans. And the people that were involved in this became known as the Imagineers. Nice. How That's cute. a catchy name. Yeah. I think it's cute. Yeah. It's like, what does your dad do for work? He's an Imagineer. Right. <laughs> Bring your parent to uh, school day, whatever yeah. that's called. Yeah, yeah. I never had that. I don't <laughs> think. Maybe I did. Sorry, parents, <laughs> if you did. I don't remember. I think that's cute. Yeah. Um, I also like that, you know a lot of the things that you think about with disney is they try to make it like a magical experience for everyone like he said he wanted it to be a place where both children and parents could have fun Mm -hmm. but he also made it like that for the workers as best as he could like by literally giving them titles such as imagineer yeah (laughs) you know like how how fun is that that they just make it like i don't know magical that yeah that's kind of (laughs) cool um in mid 1954 Disney sent his Imagineers to every, <laughs> this is awesome, to every amusement park in the United States to analyze what worked and what pitfalls or problems there were in various locations and incorporated their findings into his design. I mean, as far as job, what do you call it? Um, Opportunities, jobs. Uh, no, like assignments, job yeah, assignments. Yeah. As far as job assignments go, that's not a terrible one. Right. <laughs> if my job was to, if I was getting paid to go to amusement parks, heck yeah. Yeah. Sign me up. It's like, honey, I have to travel for work this summer. Oh, really? Where are you going? Um, to Universal ride Studios. roller coasters <laughs> in every state in America. Yep. That would be so fun. That'd be a lot of fun. But it's also really smart on his part, on Walt's part, because he literally was comparing and contrasting to every amusement park in america Mm -hmm. (laughs) like how how cool is that and like a great way to figure out what is going to work because if you want to be the best you have to know your competition truth smart smart thinking on his part Mm -hmm. he was the original imagineer yeah there you go (laughs) um so they started construction work in july of 1954 um and then uh july 17th 1955 so one year later um disneyland theme park was opened it was a 17 million dollar project and the opening ceremony was broadcast on abc which reached 70 million viewers wow yeah that's insane right (laughs) live tv yeah 70 million Uh uh-huh it's a lot of people yeah it was a big big deal um the park was designed uh, as a series of themed lands linked by a central Main Street USA. That Main Street USA was designed to be a replica of the Main Street in his hometown of Marcel, uh, Marceline. 
uh, that he grew up in. The connected themed areas were Adventureland, Frontierland, Fantasyland, and Tomorrowland. Fun. The park also contained a narrow gauge Disneyland railroad that linked the lands. Around the outside of the park was a high berm to separate the park from the outside world. A what? Berm. What's that? I'm assuming like a wall. Oh. Yeah. Cool. Um, but, you know, he wanted, when you walk into Disney, he wanted it to be completely different from what you were used to. And he wanted it to be a place that you enter and transform into a whole new world, essentially. That's, that's smart thinking as well. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, when do we go to Disney World? It's a couple couple of years ago a few years yeah ago. we went a few years ago and that was that was cool because didn't we didn't you have to ride a monorail mm-hmm. like across the water mm-hmm. that's kind of cool yeah it's like very isolated from the world you know yeah from most things mm-hmm. place to kind of it's get away from it's definitely unique yes very unique yes and awesome um okay so the day of the opening um there was a little bit there were a few mishaps that happened one of them being that there was a distrib- distribution of thousands of counterfeit invitations. So a lot of people were mm, scammed yeah. <laughs> thinking that they were going to go. Um, I mean, that's not really on them, though. But Yeah. But despite that, Disney World, or sorry, Disneyland became a site known as a place where children and their families could explore, enjoy rides, and meet the Disney characters. So cool. despite some of the things that happened on the first day like it still ended up being super successful and still standing today let's go um yeah let's go ride some rides meet some characters okay let's be the characters let's <laughs> okay. show up in in costume and see if sure. we can confuse anyone let's do it okay Sides some autographs <laughs> um okay so within a few years of disneyland's 1955 opening walt disney began plans for a new theme park to develop um experimental prototype community of tomorrow or epcot uh, in epcot. unfortunately disney's plans for the futuristic city of epcot never came to fruition disney had unfortunately been a smoker for most of his life and as a result was diagnosed with lung cancer in 1966 he died december 15th 1966 at the age of 65 he was cremated and his ashes are held at the Forest Lawn Cemetery in Los Angeles. Wait, he was cremated? Mm-hmm. Oh. So not held on ice. So he's not held on ice. I guess not. I've been living a lie. Maybe maybe they just say he's been cremated. Maybe. I'll have to look it up. I've, I think I've heard that before, but... It could be a very wild theory. Right. <laughs> but. So the construction for Epcot was going on during his death. So like it started before he died. Um, and then his brother, Roy, uh, deferred his retirement to take control of the Disney companies. Hmm. So he continued to work on it, but he did change the focus of the project um, from a town. Because that's kind of like what he saw. He's wanted to be like this whole town, essentially, like a, a futuristic world. Mm-hmm. Um, but he turned it more into an attraction. So okay. like a theme park. Um, at the inauguration in 1971... Roy dedicated Walt Disney World to his brother. Walt Disney World expanded with the opening of Epcot Center in 1982. Walt Disney's vision of a functional city was replaced by a park more akin to a permanent world's fair. In 2009, the Walt Disney Family Museum, uh, which was designed by his daughter um, and his 
grandson, uh, was opened in San Francisco. Thousands of artifacts from Disney's life and career are on display, including numerous awards that he received. Um, The original site had attendance up and downs over the years. So people were going to San Francisco to see the museum? Yeah. And then sometimes went? Yeah, I didn't expand on that at all. It's just a random... I don't know. I confuse myself. It's fine. Well, I mean, why would you go to a boring museum when you can go to Disneyland? Right. I guess that makes sense. <laughs> Thanks for saving me there. You're welcome. Um, so Disneyland has expanded expanded its rides over time and branched out globally with Walt Disney World near Orlando, Florida, and parks in Tokyo, Paris, Hong Kong, and Shanghai. Nice. Um, and then there's the sister property, California Adventure, which opened in Los Angeles in 2001. Cool. You know, if I'm not mistaken, I think, I want to say it was Paris... I don't know. One of the Disneyland, they had like a, a cow with the spot. Um, like the, the cow had a spot of the Mickey Mouse head. And I think that's where they got the, um, like the idea for it. Because it kind of looked like a mouse hmm. head or a Mickey Mouse head. I don't know. I'll have to look into that a little bit more. But Like a real life cow had a Disney, yes. mou- Disney Mickey Mouse head well, yes. as a spot. As a spot, yeah. That's and I think that's where they got the logo. Or maybe it was just... Maybe the logo was determined before, and then they found that on the cow, and it was a huge, like a mascot for a bit. Gotcha. I'll have to look it up. Because, That's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I actually went to Disneyland in Paris. Did you? Mm-hmm. When you were living in England? Yeah. Yep. That's kind of cool. Um, so I've been to Disneyland California, Disneyland Paris, and then now Disney World, cool. which is the most recent. Yeah. Um, I don't know which one this was, but I distinctly remember... Be, I, I went on the uh, Indiana Jones ride, mm-hmm. and I got really freaked out at the part where the ball is rolling towards you, Yeah. but then the ride, like, dips, and so obviously you don't get crushed by a giant ball, but I remember being super scared and, like, burying my head, <laughs> and I had my head buried, and my uh, my hands on the rail, and my head was buried, and I was looking like you could still see the ground as we were going, and then all of a sudden we were passing through this area that had a ton of snakes, and then oh, I got, like, right. equally freaked out, but I didn't want to look up because I was afraid of what I was going to see. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember which one that was at. And then I remember watching a parade and they had this giant float with a big bubble. And in the bubble was Ariel sitting on a rock like she was under the water with Mm -hmm. this bubble protecting her. That's fun. And then another one, another memory I have is we were watching the parade and then Turk from Tarzan Mm -hmm. came up and gave my mom a hug as if they were best buds. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever, and I wrote it in my diary. <laughs> ah, good you had a diary? Uh-huh. Can we read it? No. <laughs> I was in, like, first grade. Read it on air. Um, I'm pretty sure that was the one in California, because I remember writing it in my diary that I had in the first grade, and mm-hmm. we lived in California during the time. Okay. So, that would make sense. That would make sense. Yeah. Okay. So, I wanted to talk about some of the awards that he got, because he got a lot cool. of awards. Yeah, I believe it. So, Disney received 59 Academy Award nominations, including 22 awards. He was nominated for three Golden Globe Awards. He did not win, but he was presented with two Special Achievement Awards for Bambi and the Living Desert and the um, Cecil B. DeMille Award. 
I don't know what that is, but that sounds cool. Um, he received four Emmy Award nominations, winning once for Best Producer for the Disneyland television series. Um, several of his films are included in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as, quote, culturally, historically, or ethically significant, including Steamboat Willie, The Three Little Pigs, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, Fantasia, Pinocchio, Bambi, Dumbo, and Mary Poppins. Cool. In 1998, the American Film Institute published a list of the 100 greatest American films, according to the industry experts. This list included Snow White and the Seven Dwarves at number 49 and Fantasia at 58. Nice. In 1960, Disney was introduced to the Hollywood Walk of Fame with two stars, one for motion pictures and the other for his television work. Mickey Mouse was given his own star for motion pictures (laughs) in 1978. Disney was also inducted into the Television Hall of Fame in 1986. The California Hall of Fame in December of 2006 and was the inaugural recipient of a star on the Anaheim Walk of Stars in 2014. All right. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of stuff. The Walt Disney Family Museum records that he, quote, along with other members of his staff, received more than 950 honors, citations, um, honors and citations from throughout the world, end quote. He was made the um, Cavalier of the French Legion, uh, de de on on your in 1935 and in 1952 he was awarded the country's highest artistic decoration the officer de academy i mean wow that's a lot of stuff that he got there's more oh jeez the, <laughs> the other awards include thailand's order of the crown uh germany's order of the merit brazil's order of the southern cross the Mexico's Order of Aztec Eagle, and in the United States, he received the Presidential Medal of Freedom on September 14th, 1964, and on May 24th, 1968, he was awarded the Congressional Gold Medal. What year did he die? He died in 66. Okay, so he's still getting awards even after he died. Long after. Like, he was getting stuff up until, like, 2014. (sighs) Um, if you want to leave your mark on the world, do something amazing. <laughs> like Walt Disney. <laughs> <laughs> like Walt Disney. He received the Showman of the World Award from the National Association of Theater Owners, and in 1955, the National Audubon Society Audubon Society awarded Disney its highest honor, the Audubon Medal, for promoting the appreciation and understanding of nature through his True Life Adventures nature film. And then... Last but not least, a minor planet. <laughs> a minor planet discovered in 1980 by astronomer Ludmila Karakincha. Sure, sounds great. Was named 4017 Disneya. After Disney? Mm hmm. What about Pluto? That was discovered. Messed before. up, man. <laughs> that was messed up. Just kidding. And he was also awarded honorary degrees from Harvard, Yale, the University of Southern California and the University of California, Los Angeles. The end. The end. And that is the incredible story of our good friend Walt Walter Elias Disney. Wed. These nuts. <laughs> I'm deleting oh. that. <laughs> no, leave it in. <laughs> okay. What were well, you saying? Cool. About what? You sounded like you were going to say something. Um, 
No, I don't remember now. No, but he did get so many awards, and I'm pretty sure more than half of them were after he had already died. Yeah. Are you looking up to see if he was on ice? No. Do you want me to? No, it's okay. Okay, so what are your thoughts? Tell me. I mean, what a life. Mm -hmm. But that just goes to show, like, you know, sometimes people fail at things, but they have a dream, and they go and live it. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and one thing I really like about his story, I think it's, I mean, it's super inspiring just in general, but the fact that there were so many ups and downs and like huge ups Mm -hmm. and then huge downs, you know, like for example, Snow White, like that was, you know, we talked about that for a minute. It was one of the best movies of all time Mm -hmm. at the time. Yes. You know, Um, and then a few years later, his, most of his staff quit and had a strike and walked out on him and the banks were like "Mm, we shouldn't be funding him anymore (laughs) yeah but it makes i mean if they were so successful with one thing and like you you did say that you know cocky can get uh, cockiness can get in the way of you know success and everything Mm -hmm. but i mean like he he was still successful like this was a good idea he had more similar ideas that would have gone probably equally as good if he didn't have writer's quit an enemy just quit mm-hmm. so i don't know well it, you just think about how many people in life become quote one hit wonders because of things like that like they have something really successful happen and then when they don't see that equal success immediately after they get discouraged and walk away mm-hmm. and that's something that he never did which is yep. why you know his story is so cool it's yeah. so inspiring and so well known you know people all over the world know who walt disney is oh yeah for sure it's well Mm -hmm. well known name yeah and like you know he deserved it because he really just never gave up and it's something cool to think too that it's something that everything about this is is are things that he was passionate about from a very young age Mm -hmm. starting with just drawing you know yeah so if there's a childhood dream that any of you have ever had go ahead and pursue it unless it doesn't interest you anymore yeah (laughs) what miles said like you still want to be an astronaut go ahead i'm just kidding i wanted to be an astronaut for two seconds and then i realized that you have to actually go to space (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean you could be like an astrophysicist and stay in a fun little office and look at stars and do math yeah no thanks okay no i'm good (laughs) fair enough Uh, my dream job is to be a podcaster Hey, I'm living my dream. Hey. Except for that wasn't a dream until like a month before this actually started, so. That was a few months. Okay, a few months. You've had this idea for a while. That's true. That's true. Pursuing my dreams. And look, it's coming into fruition. It is. And we have listeners in officially two countries. Hey, we totally do. Yeah. And a lot of states. And a lot of states. 17 Um, now. 17 states. We have one in Washington, I think was a new one. Woohoo. Yay, thanks Washington for giving us a listening. Mm-hmm. Also, tell your to friends our, in uh, Canada. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Seriously, I was going to say to all of our friends in Montana, we don't know who you are, but we love you. Yes, Montana is our second highest percentage wise state of listeners. Yeah, which is kind of random, but hey, we are here for it, and we love you. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been to Montana. We need to go because we have a lot of fans there. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll schedule a live tour. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Okay, um, so thanks everyone for listening. We really appreciate all the love and support that we've gotten. And um, our next episode will come out next Saturday. Next Saturday. 
uh that'll be our official release day is saturdays um and it'll be miles's turn so we get to hear a wonderful story from him and then don't forget we have a couple more listener stories coming up this year so oh no just one more because we only have december yeah just december left so so one more for the year if you want to be featured in next month's listener story uh feel free to send in your personal stories family stories friend stories whatever to famdamlypodcast at gmail.com we already have one on the way kind of we have so many we have we so many know that we one of <laughs> one that we know of yeah, yeah for sure but we would love to share your stories because we had so much fun doing the last listeners episode that was a lot of fun makes this you know fun as we like to get to know people's crazy stories of things that happen true so. that and then learn about walt disney and pirates and and cowboys and Einstein. And Einstein. The bubble-headed <laughs> genius. Uh, what episode is this? 12? This is 12, yeah. Episode 12. Yeah, Technically 13, but technically 12 as well. We're just going to call it 12. It is 12. <laughs> it is titled as 12 because listener story is a completely different one. Anywho, we should be done rambling and go to sleep. Yes. Well, everyone, remember, surround yourself with tacos, not negativity. Amen to that. Amen to that.